Boom! There it is, ladies and gentlemen. We are ready to rock and roll. Hey, uh, question. You have some hair issues, kind of like I do. You do, this yeah, episode is for you, right? Yeah, we're, we're both sharing the same problem. <laughs> exactly. Let's get this one on the road. Here we go. Shut up and sit down. Look, a business can give you everything you want in life. Prestige, wealth, freedom. It can also take everything away from you. This show is for those who are willing to take that risk. These are the real-life stories of entrepreneurs. But before we start, I have one small favor to ask. Please leave a comment. It can be advice, critiques, tips, feedback, or share this with someone because your engagement is the most valuable and most powerful form of social currency. So thank you, and welcome to another episode of Business Boss! All right, ladies and gents, look, what can a bald man tell you about hair? He'll tell you how much he wished he had it. As for as for other hair professionals, they have different reasons for entering this hair industry. For example, uh, after his wife contracted uh, chemical poisoning while working as a hair technician, Mr. Howard Margolin knew that it was time for major change in the hair industry. He had a vision of a superior line of hair products that could be used to complete uh, to complete peace of mind, and knew that his calling and that his calling was to develop it. The couple sold their hair replacement studios and started from scratch with a new commitment to creating effective hair and wig care solutions to ensure the safety of the salon clientele as well as the technicians that serve them. Now, today, the company is thriving, and we have the honor of having the CEO of Pro Hair Labs on the show today. So let's give him a business bros welcome, Mr. Ryan Margolin. <laughs> Ryan, welcome to the program, man. Oh, thanks a lot, Hernan. I'm excited to be here, and uh, look, I'm looking forward to having a chat. Dude, uh, I noticed right behind you, and and for those of you who don't understand, is that a two comma club uh, plaque that you got on, you got back yeah, there? Yeah, we've got, we've got the uh, two comma club. We got the X, and I've got the uh, I've got the C right on this other side of the screen here. So it's been a bit Ooh. of a journey. All right, I'm definitely going to ask that. Mr. ClickFunnels over here. All right, let's rock and roll this thing. All right, I'm, I'm going to start off with the uh, with the very beginning. I mean, yours is unique, but uh, why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? Because I want to know. Yeah, our mission um, is really the same as my father's. Uh, he started the company back in 94. My mother contracted chemical poisoning from the products that she used. And uh, he sold the business and they kind of focused on creating a safe product line for technicians and hair wares. Um, fast forward to 2009, uh, I joined the company. Two years after that, my brother Daryl. Two years after that, my brother David. And we carried on that mission. And what we realized is that the industry as a whole was missing uh, some really simple but key things that could make everything just that much better. So we took the same principles and methodologies of the safety first promise that we make to our customers, and we rolled it out to a wider range of the cosmetic industry. So where we were initially focused on the non-surgical hair replacement industry, we've now expanded into a wider range of cosmetics, hair care, body care, skin care, tanning, you name it, we do it. Uh, so it's been a really interesting journey over the last 10 years that's led us to where we're at. Dude, it's an amazing road. Like any business that that kind of grows and, and then blows up. I mean, you have multiple products. Where did you first start, right? I mean, at, at the very beginning, there's always something that that you have to just focus your attention on. So your, your pops, your mom, they focus their attention on one product. Tell me that little bit of journey for that product and then how did it catapult you to where you are today? 
Yeah, so it started from the adhesive uh, that was being used to attach the hair units to the scalp. So they were all solvent-based. For 40-plus years, some of the most common and most popular products were all solvent-based. So they'd be cut with agents such as toluene, xylene, hexane. They're all derivatives of gasoline, and people were putting these on the skin. Technicians were using them in not very well-ventilated areas, but even when they were well-ventilated, they would end up having health problems long-term. So naturally, the focus was to create a non-toxic water-based solution, which didn't contain any of those chemicals, didn't contain any of those solvent bases, and to revolutionize, I suppose, the whole application process. And that's what we ended up doing. It took quite a while to get there. You know, the company from, say, 94 up till about 2008, 2009, it was fluctuating, you know, low six figures, 250 to 280K a year. And with some simple changes, uh, we kind of stripped everything back, rebuilt the brand, the messaging. Um, we had the product, we knew it, but we just hadn't really truly validated in the industry yet. And in 2009, we changed everything and we revolutionized it with a new product we launched to market. And that's where we knew the water-based solution was 100% uh, the way to go and the future of the industry, which it's proven right because now not only is our brand, you know, knocked off in, you know, coming out of China and in uh, other countries, um, but there's a lot more competition in the marketplace now because uh, of the way we started that. The one to two million uh, marker that that businesses hit, and I hear this over and over with entrepreneurs, they get to this uh, about a million dollars to two million dollars in, in annual revenue, and they plateau. And they get stuck at that point for a long period of time. I, I I talk about it with my own insurance agency. I'm in that same boat trying to figure out what is that next thing that's going to catapult me. So you guys uh, figured the solution. You you're you're diving in. You said about 2009 things change. Uh, you got the two comma club behind you. So you know there's something that happened. Walk me through that uh, that that next steep rise when you guys finally figured it out. What's it like to kind of see the clarity and what clarity was that for you? So the clarity was the simple solutions. I'm a firm believer in that the simplest solution is always the most effective. And I think it came down to a few key things for us. Number one, don't be afraid to ask and reach out for help when you're navigating waters that are unfamiliar to you. Number two, personal development is an absolute must. And number three, talking to your clients and making sure that you're getting on the phones and understanding what their pain points are, what their challenges are, so you can create effective solutions, whether it's a service or a product. Uh, we're only in products, but I mean, you know, you talk about coach coaches and consultants. How are you really supposed to know what problem you're going to fix without talking to the people who you're trying to fix them for? So once we started to bring all of that together, you know, like, for example, in 2009, we changed three key things, branding, messaging, and we actually did a direct mail campaign. I spent three months uh, manually building a list of all the hair replacement centers in the United States. We split it up into three groups and we mailed it out at different times. And within 18 months, we tripled revenue of the company. So it was a really simple, effective solution. And anyone who tells me direct mail is dead, I just, it, it's not true. It, I think it's a key part of an overall marketing strategy, but there's no reason that you shouldn't be doing it, obviously, depending on the industry you're in, but it's, it's definitely not dead. So when we realized that, and then we ended up breaking the seven figure mark, it became about the importance of processes because what happens is things start to break. Communication channels start to fall apart and people don't know where they're going. So solutions and processes are key. When you start moving into the deeper seven figures, that's when you as a person really start to feel the pain of having to change and deal with parts of yourself that you didn't really know you had you 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 had to deal with and and it hurts and it's scary but if you're not willing to do that 
You can't be the leader that you need to be for other people to nurture them to achieve their own goals and help you with your company to move forward. So it, 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 it's, just, it's just a constant journey. You, you mentioned that it's family business. Mom and dad started it. You and the boroughs came in a little bit later. Um, walk me through what it's like being in a family as an entrepreneurial family, especially early on where you're talking about you weren't able to break, you know, 250, 300,000 a year. The, the business is trying to get off the ground. What's it like at home for you and your brothers watching your parents build this? And how'd you get inspired to become part of it? So it was a bit different for us because see, my parents separated after, you know, after many years. So we were kind of li living in different places. Um, but the one key thing that remained consistent was our communication in terms of, you know, we always used to talk to each other. Now, I think that carried through for us because as, as, as a family business, watching the ups and downs of your parents in business, you know, sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad, sometimes there's struggles. And as much as you try to ignore it or they try to keep you away from it, you see it. You're a kid. You're a teenager. You're a young adult. You're absorbing it all. But I think all of that kind of molded who we were. And it allowed us to address the parts in ourselves that we knew were key, which, in my opinion, when you're working in a family business, especially, I think two things are key. Communications and having empathy, because you need to be able to put yourself in the shoes of someone else in order to understand another perspective, even if you don't stay there too long. It could be 30 seconds. It could be 60 seconds. It could be an hour. It doesn't matter. But having that ability to just look at it from the other side, even for a moment, is vitally important. And what was it like transitioning in? So now you come in, you know, it's one thing to, to see it from the outside, to watch, you know, your parents go through the ups and downs. But then you take the reins, right? Now you're in control of the ship. Now you're the one dealing with the ups and downs. What was that transition like? Maybe like within within the organization itself, was it like, oh, okay, yeah, of course the son's going to come in and be the CEO. Like, was it like that? Or did you have like a good culture that kind of accepted it? Yeah, no, it, it wasn't like that at all, actually. Myself and my two brothers, we, we had to have really honest conversations with each other and just say, listen, we've all got some really great attributes. And then we've got things that we're just not that good at. But I think when we got through everything and we realized what we were strong at and what we were not so strong at, it kind of let everything fall into place. You know, sometimes people don't want the responsibility of certain things. Sometimes people don't want to be a captain of a ship. Sometimes people don't want to be the guy speaking to people all the time. I think it's about just realizing where your strong points are and letting that sit in. Because ultimately, if you like, you always have to do the things you don't want to do to improve yourself. But at the end of the day, what you're doing on a daily basis is also very important. So you have to be honest enough with yourself to say, listen, I can improve in this area, but really, do I want to be there every single day doing that, doing that thing? And, and once you ask yourself that question and you get honest with yourself, I think that answers it for you. Yeah, it totally does. Uh, Self-awareness, the most difficult thing to yeah. figure out, right? Like we think we know ourselves, but we really don't until you get down to that nitty gritty. No. And you know what? You're a hundred percent right because that 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 was shared with me, you know, some time ago. I think I think everything at its core starts with taking a good look at yourself. Like it's got to be over a decade ago now. My my father-in-law, my my wife's dad, you know, he said to me, "Look, Ryan, you know, you can cheat in every aspect of your life, or you can be dishonest with the people around you, but you can't cheat the reflection staring back at you in the mm -hmm. mirror. And if you can cultivate that honest relationship with yourself, there's not many things you'll you'll be not be able to you know overcome." Yeah, it's so funny. If I believe in myself, there's nothing anybody can say that can get in my way because I know who I am. And that's hard to come by. Oh, sorry. Sorry. I thought I cut you off there for a second. Um, single shop owners, like like becoming like owning your own beauty shop versus going wholesale route. How did you guys decide 
one way or another? So we we were never really into the you know the brick and mortar side of things. We were never you know we were never a B two C company. Um, we were always very good at you know creating products and moving volumes. That's just the the environment that I grew up in. Um, my parents did have a hair replacement studio, so I did see the retail side, but I also know the the reality of how much that can consume you and requires your time. So. We, we, we had conversations, okay, look, we have a very strong B2B base. Do we move into the B2C? But what we decided to do instead was really focus our attention on the education on the B2C side of things. And in turn, that demand that was created fell over into the B2B. So we built better you know, distribution relationships. We built better uh, wholesale relationships. And we also built better kind of ambassador relationships for people who really truly wanted to be a part of what we do. And, uh, and, they, and they wanted to be on that journey with us. It's incredible how when you finally figure out your own vision of where you want to go with the company, you know exactly who you're talking to, things kind of start to fall in place. So when you were, I'm assuming you had two different types of clientele. One was who you were designing the product for, and then the other was who you're actually going to sell it to, right? So walk me through that process. Yeah, so ultimately, we we didn't actually really think about that process too much after the fact that we realized that, look, you know, after we experienced what we did with, with my mother for many years, um, we didn't really think any further past that because it was really the only motivation that we needed. You know, we saw what she went through and we wanted to make sure that we would do our absolute best that no one would ever have to go through that again. So that that kind of made that decision for us. Once we were like, look, this situation here on the left that we grew up looking at, um, is definitely the sole reason uh, that, that we want to make sure that we're making the biggest impact. And how do you make the biggest impact? Well, you have to move volumes of product. So that really dictated our, our move into just solely focusing on the, on the B2B side of things. When people talk about creating volume, I had uh, literally somebody on the show yesterday who's bringing a product to market. Some of the issues that you come up with come in production and shipping and getting products out there. Uh, what kind of problems did you run into when you when you started mass producing or, or like volume started to come in? Volume is a great problem to have, but it can also be a problem. What kind of issues did you did you have during that phase? Resource automation damages, uh, you know, just not having the knowledge to get things to the customer the way they needed to be. So there was a very rocky period. Um, we, for example, you know, there was a time where we invested our our everything into a company that was automating our, our production line and they completely let us down. So we lost about a year and really we couldn't. We tried to analyze the type of sales we lost from the amount of customers we let down and we just simply couldn't. It was a huge, huge loss for us, but we got over that in the end. So what we did is we we, we, we focused on where our, our main problems were. So we knew we didn't have enough resources. We hired more people to do the manual packing and the manual filling. You know, we didn't have the correct packaging. We went to a packaging specialist who came in, helped us build all our, you know, all our inner packs, our master packs, our palletization, all of that. Uh, thirdly, then uh, what we did is we, we, we actually brought someone in to tell us, uh, you know, how to effectively build our communication channels internally, which eventually pointed outwards to make sure that the customers were getting the information. So it was really a step by step process, but we made so many mistakes along the way. And, uh, you know, look, even when we hired people to come in and, and, and help us with it, we still made the mistakes. You know, it's, it, it, we tried to speed it up as much as we could, but ultimately you, you you'll you'll never fully avoid that failure part because you know like 
to me, failure is a beautiful thing. It, it, it provides us with, with an opportunity to recognize the opportunities for success. So we have to be willing to take that. Yeah, the risk is there, right? Let's talk about 2009, you start to take over the company. Around the same time, we got smartphones coming out. We got social media starting to take off, right? That's that's the next phase in life. How did that affect your business? So that, that didn't do anything for our business, but but actually help it. So my background, you know, what I was really focused on back at that time was the digital space and marketing. It's, it's what I did for, you know, many years prior to that. So what we did is when we rebuilt our, our brand and we rebuilt a new website, I was so solely focused on the SEO aspect of what we could do because ultimately we were leading the way in the industry at that time. And I wanted to make sure that we could capitalize on the organic opportunities there. So all of our, cause I knew SEO was going to be a long game. So we put all of our resources into that. We didn't, we didn't run ads. I mean, we, we were, we were almost an eight figure company not running ads. You know, wow. so it was all organic and word of mouth and social media. Um, so it, it was a it, it was quite a learning curve. Now, obviously, we realize that with the with the world the way it is and everyone connected to their smartphone and it's a much com more competitive environment. Advertising is a, is a necessity, you know, so that's something we're, we're focused on now and developing our, you know, our strategies around that. But this company was built organically. And uh, and it was all because, in, in my opinion, we focused on the right things at the beginning because they were early days. If you had to uh, start over today, and I mean, it's a different time, different era, where would you focus your attention on to develop your your relationships with your wholesale, with your with your vendors, um, develop your relationships with your clientele, and, and just to build your brand? How would you how would you do it today? So if if i if i had all of that time back and you know we were starting from say low six figures uh my sole focus would would be on on social media it would be on instagram TikTok, and and you know maybe facebook um but because uh, look at the end of the day this generation and and you know the individuals who are wearing hair whether it's for hereditary means or for uh you know whether they've lost their hair from hereditary um, uh, a path or whether it, they just want to change their color of their hair for leisure. Uh, they're, they're all hanging out online and they're very open and, and they're very, uh, they're, they're very free with the information they share. So if I had all that time back, that's where I'd be investing my, my, uh, my time. And also I would be running ads immediately, you know, that, that I don't think there's any way around it. Tell me about your experience with uh, Mr. Russell Brunson back there with the with the click funnels. How, you know why that versus go high level. What did you learn? Why was that so important for you? Yeah, so actually, I was introduced to to, to click funnels by a good friend of mine, uh, Stephen Summers. His name was, and he said, "Listen, I'm you know I'm, I'm using this uh, this software. It's so easy to make landing pages." And uh, at that time, I was I was rolling out landing pages like the back of my hand. And uh, what I realized is that we had so many moving parts and I was like, I don't, it's just too much to manage. We ended up moving like, you know, 15 or 20 different landing pages right back down to uh, one. Um, and and we, we focused on, you know, a survey funnel. So that was my journey with ClickFunnels. It was just a really simple, easy way. You can connect the domain, you can connect the subdomain and you could just get it up and it, there, there's no problems. You know, you'd, you'd have a landing page up and created within a matter of, you know, 30 minutes. And that to me was, that, that to me was a beautiful thing. We still use it, um, and it's our it's our full lead gen. Uh, we have one page where it's a simple name, phone number, email. They go to a quick survey funnel where they tell us what type of uh, account they are. 
They tell us where they're located in the world and it drives them straight to an application form. They fill out the application form and you're in. So we get all of the information. We're on the phone straight away. We're nurturing the lead. We're closing the sale and uh, we're then building business with them. It's been, uh, I guess, what, 90, you said 94 is when you started? So, yeah. I mean, yeah. we're rounding over. 94 is when the company started. I joined in 2009. So we started using ClickFunnels, I think it was 2015 or 16. So, uh, yeah, it was it was quite some time ago. It could have even been 17. I could be wrong. Uh, all right. Well, that's almost, what, 25-ish years, somewhere around there, at least uh, at least a decade and a half that you've been in the business. Yeah. You've come a long way. Where do you see the company going in the future? So our future, to me, it's very clear. Um, we're, like, we're totally focused on expanding our operations. So we're taking... We have two locations. We have one in Florida. We have one in Ireland, uh, where I'm located at the moment. We're expanding our, we have a 17 and a half thousand uh, square foot warehousing and office facility in Florida. We're doubling that uh, at the moment. We're expanding our operations. We have a 10,000 square foot manufacturing facility in Ireland, but that's uh, by the end of the year, expanding to 50,000. We're taking the same principles and methodologies that we've used to develop this, you know, industry leading product line. And we're going to roll it out into a, you know, into a wider range of, of cosmetics, because ultimately we know we, we have the certifications, we have the knowledge, we have a great team and uh, we know we have something to, to give back and, and to contribute. And that's exactly where we're going. So our, our aim in five years, um, we're going to be that hundred million you know, dollar company. And, and that's where we want to be. That's what our goal is. And not because of the money. Um, it's for me, it's about the impact that we're making in the industry and the lives we're changing. Now I know, you know, cosmetics, it's not really life altering stuff, but what we do now with the, you know, with the cosmetic bonding adhesives, that is life changing stuff because people lose hair and it's going to do one of two things. It's either going to completely destroy your mental health or you're just going to accept it. It just it, it, it it's one one side or the other. It bothers yep. some people. It doesn't bother others. But the products we manufacture and we supply to the industry help people who really want to you know make sure that they they don't lose their hair or they don't they don't walk around without hair because it means a lot to them. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, for me, you and I, I think we we just kind of accept it. It's it's the way it is. But you know, I got family members that have hair falling out, and you know, female family family members where their hair's thinning out. It means so much more to them. They're just they're, just the way they they show up to a situation, whether they're smiling or whether they're hiding. Like you are definitely changing lives. Cosmetics is huge. It's the confidence builder. It is. It is. And, and yeah, and I do. It is a confidence builder. And that comes down from moisturizers all the way through, you know, like even, for example, what, what, what you were saying there, you know, about, about the hair loss, you know, we're we're always pushing the, you know, the boundaries of cosmetic innovation. Like we, we we're just finalizing a formula for a hair serum that we've already proven over eight weeks can massively stimulate hair growth uh, for, for individuals who don't want to wear wigs. And this is something that we've been working on for a long time. And it kind of goes against what we, you know, the, the cosmetic bonding side of things, but it actually allows individuals who may not be losing hair from a perspective of, you know, uh, you know, whether it be alopecia, uh, but if, if they just have a general block of, of hair growth there, this serum can actually help stimulate the, you know, the follicles again and get it going. That's impressive. That's that's super cool. Uh, who are you? Who is this product mainly targeted to? I mean, I know you're selling to 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 salons and different um, businesses, but who are they mainly targeting when it comes to to your products? 
Uh, right now, the, the biggest marketplace that we have is just, uh, you know, individuals who wear hair pieces uh, or wear wigs just to change the, you know, their hair on a daily basis. They, they like wearing different colors. They like wearing different styles. But when it comes to the salons and the studios, um, their main target uh, audience would be uh, individuals who have suffered hair loss in some capacity, whether it's hereditary or whether it's from a health issue. So those are people who go in and they actually have the full application. Uh, the hair unit is placed onto their scalp for about four weeks, and then it's come, they come back, it's cleaned, their scalp is prepped again, and it's reattached. Man, you are I'm definitely changing lives. I tell you, I, I'd feel a lot better if I had a, if I had a little more hair on my head. But oh well, I guess I'm gonna have to stick with the shaving for a while. Right? It is what it is. All right, Ryan. Like, if if people want to find out more, maybe their hair salons. I I know I've had former students in in my classes that are in the hair space. Uh, literally, I mean, building their followings on Instagram, filling up their clientele, uh, dealing with wigs, dealing with with people like that. How do they? How do they? What's the process like to to be a part of, of Pro Hair Labs? It's really simple. So, you know, when somebody contacts us, it falls into, you know, one of three brackets. They're either contacting us to carry our product line or they want to buy our products for use in their salon or at home. Uh, the second part of it is they want to private label or start their own brand. So we can give them our, you know, formulations that have been tried and tested and they can put their label on them and they can start etching their own way in the industry. Or thirdly, they, they get in touch with us from a custom formulation perspective. When they have an idea for a product, we create the marketing brief, goes down to our lab, our chemists create it, and we get this product to market and we make their dreams a reality, basically. So you even offer that white label services, oh, yeah. which is really, oh, yeah. really cool. That's yeah. amazing. How, you, you think the majority of the people are doing white labeling, trying to build their own? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, look, I mean, we said, like, for me, if we didn't offer a white label, it would go against the core of what we believe in. You know, we have a solution that we want to bring to the market to as many people as possible because we know it helps. So if somebody doesn't want to use our brand, um, you know, we white label for a lot for a lot of companies. And and ultimately, you know, we just know that there's safe products getting into the right hands. And that, that that's all that matters to us. At the end of the day, that's what it is. Distribution yep. of that product. Man, yep. you, you guys have done such a tremendous job. All right, I, I want to make sure I give you uh, some time here towards the end. L give me some some final thoughts, man. Like if if entrepreneurs out there are getting started, I, I want to start my own salon. I want to get get into this industry as a beautician, like work with those people. What's that process like? Um, well, it depends on, on what side that you, you want to fall into. I mean, if you want to open just a hair studio, um, you know, look, you just have to start it from the ground up, really. It's, it's about finding a location, making sure that you get your certifications, making sure that you're qualified. And then you just start, you know, doing what everyone does, starting from ground zero, getting on social media, letting people know where you are, who you are and what you do. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, there's a million other people screaming the same thing. So if you don't at least start there, you're never you're never going to progress. Um, I do think, you know, it is vitally important as you go through starting a business or any any type of venture. The one the one key thing you can't do is look for that outward approval because it's the quickest way to disappointment. People, people at their core will not um, believe in you until you've already achieved a certain level of success or notoriety. And, you know, like I think, you know, like I, I see this all the time, like people fail to realize that, you know, the hard work has to come before the belief. There's going to be plenty of long nights that you're working on your own with no applause, no recognition. And when times get tough, which they ultimately will, you've only got yourself to turn to. So, you know, just just keep going, because if you believe that's what you're meant to be doing, don't worry about what somebody else is telling you, because they're just projecting their own fears, thoughts, whatever it may be on you. 
just keep going. Um, if you want to fall into the hair replacement side of things, like there's there's hair studios that are salons that offer that service as well. Um, what you really need to do is you need to find a good hair supplier. Uh, you need to find a good manufacturing partner or a good brand to work with, which is why we always say, look, we're at, we're at least the very first people you should talk to because we're not just buying product in and reselling it. We actually make it. We know the product intimately. We have a seven-step process we've proven over 20 years is the most effective. And why wouldn't you at least start the conversation with us? So that that's the way I would I would kind of position your your start in in the beauty industry or the hair industry. Brian, uh Leading a company is not the easiest thing to do. It's 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 insanely difficult to lead people because they all have different ways of doing things, different ways of thinking, different ways of being motivated. Um, how do you feel you've developed as a leader over the over your tenure? Uh, I I think I'm doing okay. Um, I make mistakes all the time, um, but I'm not afraid to you know to 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 go there with myself. You know, I'm not afraid to address those parts. And I think for me. The, the key thing was about learning how to have an open mind. I mean, I, I think it's our job to kind of, you know, not to sound, you know, all soft and everything, but we need to go through life, you know, with an open heart and an open mind. And we can never really dismiss how big of an impact a person or a situation can have on forming or shaping the foundational part of our, our journey. Because at the end of the day, uh, our experiences are our own and they're unequivocally our own. They're, they're, there's nobody else that have, has had the exact same experience as I or you. And you, you need to understand that. And there's a lot of things that are going to happen in your life that may not be your fault, but they are 100% your responsibility. And I think understanding that as a leader uh, is, is probably the, the, the biggest thing that you, you, you can accept. You need to accept the fact that there's going to be so many things that you have no control over, but how you respond to them is all up to you. Ooh, responsibility, your ability to respond to any particular situation. That's really what it comes down to. Ryan, you have been getting your message out. You've probably been on TV a number of different times. You've been on a number of different podcasts. We love our video testimonials. What was your experience like on the Business Bros? I have to say full of energy. Um, you know, it, it's been absolutely phenomenal. And, and you know, it, it's great to connect with individuals who you know, share a passion for either leadership or personal development or journeys. Uh, so, you know, getting in on this podcast was amazing because I, I felt it the whole way through. Perfect, man. Well, uh, one last thing, dude. I want, I know we already said it, but if people want to get a hold of you, how can we do that? Yeah. Uh, so you can either get in touch with us through any of the social media channels, Facebook, TikTok, Instagram. My main hangout is LinkedIn. Uh, I'm also on Instagram as well. Or our website is ProHairLabs.com. So it doesn't matter the channel. It'll it'll get to one of us somehow. Perfect. All right, man. That's it. Ladies and gents, look, I know hair problems exist, but hair solutions exist as well. So if you're interested in getting involved, of course, the alarm goes off at this last little moment. Make sure you guys <laughs> check it out. ProHairLabs.com. ProHairLabs.com. Ryan, thank you again for being a part of the program. Ladies and gentlemen, we will catch you guys on the next one. Peace. And we're out. It's over. Go home. Is your business in need of marketing? Try starting a podcast. But not just any podcast. Podcast like a pro. We can show you how to take your business from being invisible to becoming a brand people trust. Go to www.businessbros.biz to get started.